What's up? Welcome to another new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 389. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. Guys, how are you? How's it Pretty going? Pretty good. Really good. Good, good. I, I, I don't know if I need to do this. I, I'd like to apologize for the different setup that I'm in right now. Ron and I were talking before we recorded, like, I have a weird setup right now. I got a, a work laptop, a, 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 a display, a webcam, like all this stuff I don't normally use. I don't know if it looks okay, sounds okay. I apologize if no, you the look answer great. is no. You look great, man. You look great and you sound great. It's really well lit, too. That It's probably the side lit I got from the monitor <laughs> I have. Really bringing out the blues up here. So. Yeah, it's got the blues, but it's got the oranges. So it's got that, that like yeah. classic, like, uh, you know, I think like movie I've got color some, grading. I got, some, of... I got some tan coming back from the beach too, so it's all like a nice match. Mm. Me, well, so but I'm like five or six shows. years ago, weren't they saying that that's what all the movies were like orange and turquoise kind of like they all yeah. were blue and yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You got that, got that nice color, color corrected look. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Well, it's good to know. Thank you. I feel better Thanks, about man. it now. Um, yeah. So this episode, we're going to get into the required viewing that I picked uh, a couple weeks back which was the new release, actually, pretty timely. It's the film Theater Camp, which came out on Video On Demand. And I, and also, I think Hulu and also Digital Options last week we talked about. Um, so we'll talk about that in a, in a moment. Um, at the top of the show, I, I wanted to just mention, uh, it, I guess it's a news item, but it came up about this past Sunday. So the season two of uh, Winning Time, the, the, the Lakers story that's been airing on HBO. Um, this was the second season. This is a series that, you know, uh, it's produced by Adam McKay. I think he directed the pilot, but you know, it's got John C. Riley, Adrian Brody, uh, really great cast. Um, and I've been telling, we, we've been talking on our little chat we have going on, on, on message, you know, just how much I I've been enjoying the second season and the show in, in general. Like, I think we all really liked the first season, but in some ways I think the second season has been even stronger. Um, in like the storytelling and, you know, just kind of where it is going or was planning on going uh, as a series. But yeah, so this finale aired this past Sunday. We're not going to really talk about the finale because we haven't all seen it. But it, it was a really interesting thing where I sent you guys a text as I was like watching it as it aired. Basically, they announced that they were canceling the show. Um, this Whoa. is a show that I felt like from the jump, obviously felt like something that they had intended many more seasons of. You know, the series started, you know, with the whole magic and the coming out about HIV and everything and the, the press conference and all that stuff and then jump back. So bridging that time seemed to be the, the, the main goal of the series. And then, I don't know, maybe where it was going to go past that. But, you know, this season really seemed aimed at, you know, kind of getting through 1984 from the beginning of the season. And, you know, I, I think that even reading reports of, people that had seen the finale prior to the announcement that there was a, a scene tacked on to the end to kind of quote unquote, wrap it all up or to end it on a, maybe a more positive note for anybody that follows the NBA or knows how the 84 championship ended. You might understand why they tried to do that. Um, but it seemed like one of those shocking things to me where I just cannot believe that this show is canceled. And, you know, in my little bubble on Twitter and people that I follow, you know, it, it seems that a lot of people feel that way. Um, and some of the podcasts I listen to, a lot of them this week have been talking about it. Um, but I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up. I, I know we've all watched some combination of both seasons. I haven't watched any of the show. 
Oh, you haven't watched? Oh, oh you didn't watch the first season? Oh, mm-hmm. wow. I thought we talked about the first season. Before, I think you but... guys. I mean, it was a similar thing. You guys had seen it and were excited about it, and I was happy to. I was happy to hear about it because I love all the people involved. But for, for right. whatever reason, I just didn't end up watching it. But no, I I was hearing not just from you guys, but from several people how good this new season was. People were really talking about it, and then to have that cancellation news. I mean, that won't be the first time that's happened. I'm. I'm it's not spring into mind right. for me, but it seems like that happens every now and then where whatever's decisions being made on the corporate side is just like ships in the night with the cultural impact that something could have or is possibly starting to have. Um, whether they knew that could happen but still don't find it to be worth the the investment. I mean, I'm not sure what the what the motivation behind this decision is, but it seems like, as you said, a sort of a sure thing show to kind of at least get to live out its premise of the, the, the yeah. time span it's trying to tackle. Um, Ronald, how do yeah, you feel? I was a huge fan of it. I mean, it's it's one of those things like kind of like uh, Ted Lasso. You wonder what the second season is going to be about. And then somehow it kind of doubles down in quality, doubles down in emotional stakes, doubles down in the acting intensity. It, it just was one of those shows that really showed up when it didn't have to, especially a, a movie that relies so much, a show that relies so much, it was so cinematic. <laughs> a show that relies. They're like so- little movies every week, aren't they, Ronald? Yeah, like these, really, these new shows. Yeah, and, and it didn't always feel like that. Like it's it's like a really interesting thing to see, you know, people that are pretty hard to mess up. Uh, I mean, pretty. I'm I'm sorry. Let me yeah, reverse yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah. Pretty easy to mess up in terms of um, impersonations. And I think what it really makes clear is these people are doing like kind of like a a soft impression of these people, um, but they still have the intention. The right, yeah, it's just really good. It's really well done. Like I, I don't know if I'd want to watch somebody that's just like spot on trying to impersonate somebody for two seasons, and it just it it just was done so well. It had a perfect blend of that comedy and the seriousness and you see these kind of waves of what's eventually going to happen to magic johnson it's a really and and god i mean beyond the lakers the guy that plays larry bird yeah yeah he's great who who is this man who is this man uh just who is this man yeah i literally have to find out yeah i'm trying to think about what i'm looking up his name it's um uh where'd it go Sean Patrick Small. Okay. He's in fact name. not very small. Um, he's rather large. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I just feel like it, it just feels like a sensational show. I mean, and I think that is such yeah. a fit for, you know, that topic, you know, that era, that Showtime era of the NBA. And I just feel like, um, you know, it's a victim of something. You know, I, I think I think also people weren't watching the show in general from, you know, what's been provided or, or the transparency that's been put out uh it doesn't seem like there's been a great uh you know following for the show like people that love the show love the show but i don't think a lot of people are watching the show and i think that was going out of the first season to the next it was more of like a a a leap of faith like we can try to make it happen and get a better Mm. audience for the second season but then you have a writer strike a sag strike you know all these things happening where you have such an awesome cast that can't be out there promoting this move the show and i don't know how much that hurts it i definitely feel like it does hurt it because there are definitely avenues for publicity and advertising where this show 
probably could have grown more of an audience if it if they were able to do that, um, especially in the, in the sports realm itself. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This it, it just really feels like a it's such a loss. Like I feel like the cast is so good. The guy who plays Magic, Quincy Isaiah. Um, you mentioned the guy who plays Larry Bird, but also Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like they're just oh, so good. The casting is just incredible, honestly. And Adrian Brody, I think, was incredible this season. He really he got his moment this season as Pat Riley. Um, I don't know. I just feel really sad for this show because I was like really high on the show to begin with, and I just couldn't believe how good every week of this season was. It was like this last two months or so was like that was my appointment watch of the week was watching the new episode of Winning Time. Cause I just felt like it was that kind of Sunday night HBO thing for me that I think doesn't exist now on HBO and what are they doing now for the Sunday night show? And it, it's a big question because there really isn't a ton in the pipeline, especially since they pushed back the new episode of true detective to January. Oh, so I don't, have- I don't know what Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what Sundays look like for HBO, you know, like there's really nothing big coming, but, um, yeah, you know, yeah, I saw I a thing of like shows coming out soon in the fall, and it's a pretty loaded fall for some television shows that I like. Like Fargo's coming back. Loki right. season two looks like it might be good. I feel like there's two or three right. other things to look forward to. Uh, Our Flag Means Death is back. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm happy about that. But um, it didn't even occur to me that I guess Our Flag Means Death is an HBO show or a Max show. But I was about to say it didn't occur to me that there's not like a dominant HBO show. Yeah. Like, not that True Detective would necessarily dominate, but with the new cast and the kind of fresh start, I see how they could really market the hell out of that. For sure. And get a, a conversation going about how, how if it's as well made as it could be, you know, they could they could get people excited about that show again, um, especially because it's so... And you know, such an anthology thing. No, is so. Here's the question: Was uh, Winning Time two seasons of Winning Time worth uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay breaking up? Uh, yeah, I was going to say when I mentioned Adam McKay earlier. That's that's the question now. Like you know, that was the whole big PR thing when the first season came out. That like you know, the John C. Riley casting is kind of what blew up their friendship, uh, or friendship, professional relationship, all of it. Well, which is funny uh, because so Adam McKay, saying, I mean, Adam McKay did it the wrong show... way, and and but John C. Riley supposedly talked to Will Ferrell first, so yeah. they're, they're still on speaking terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting difference. Um, but yeah, no, not to be too glib about it, but I mean, what would Will Ferrell have been like? I haven't watched the show. Is it hard to picture Will Ferrell in the John C. Riley role? Mm-hmm. I think so. Very hard. Yeah, I think, I think so. It, it would be kind of tough. Um, I, I say that, but like I think that's the kind of thing that Will Ferrell maybe needs a shot at, though. You know, I, I say that I can't see it on paper, but, you know, I, that's the kind of thing where, like, you want to be proven wrong because I think actors like him, comedians like him, you know, I don't know that he's – I mean, he's definitely done movies that are way less comedic. Don't get me wrong, but, like, not that this is some heavy drama role either, but there's a lot of drama in that performance, in, in mm-hmm. the Jerry Buss performance. Um, and I think just the chaos that John C. Riley kind of brings to that performance – is so much more like contained and less comedic than it would have probably felt like if it was Will Ferrell. That's a guess, but yeah, um, well, Will Ferrell was pretty good in that sure. The Shrink Next Door, where he was pretty he was yeah, pretty tamped down, and that was pretty dramatic. But it was not a big character. It was almost like right. it worked as a dramatic performance because it was such a muted turn, you know. So for sure. I don't know for sure. I hope they become friends. Well, again. well Laker <laughs> Dynasty, you never got to rise to the greatness that you achieved in life. You'll, you'll never know what happened to those characters. I know. I know. It's, this uh, sucks. No one's ever talked about it. No one's ever done it's a void now. We'll never know. You can't just Google this kind of, ton stuff. of documentaries about it. Or anything. <laughs> um, 
All right, cool. Let's move on to the required viewing. Again, two weeks ago, I chose Theater Camp. This is a movie that came out this past summer. Uh, I think it came out in July. I don't know if it was a wide release or it was more of a rollout, but this is a movie that's co-directed by Molly Gordon and uh, Nick Lieberman. Molly Gordon, also in Winning Time. There you go. There's my connection right there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, she co-wrote and co-directed this movie um, with Nick Lieberman and also co-wrote co-written by Noel Galvin, who stars in the show or in the movie as um as Glenn, like the 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 stagehand handyman okay. star of the movie, um, in my eyes. But uh yeah, so this is something I, I'd heard so many good things about this when it played at a couple of different festivals. Um, you know, I think that it was like it 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 was getting a reputation of being kind of like a, a just one of those entertaining crowd pleaser kind of films. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately I didn't get to see it in theaters. And I think I mentioned it on the last episode. the 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 Jimmy Tatro part of it all was a, was probably the the one of the bigger hooks for me. Yeah. Um. I've uh him and Io Adabiri. Uh, I just I've just like anything that either of them are in. It's like yeah, I'll watch that. You know. And it's like I want to watch it because they're in it simply. But then it also just looks really good. The trailer was really fun. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That that was my pick. Again, it's on Hulu. If you didn't watch along, we're going to talk about it now. But if you want to go back and check it out, it's on Hulu if you have a subscription uh, to that. But I don't know. What you, what did you guys think of Theater Cam? Did you have an awareness of it? Uh, Ronald, why don't you start? No, I did, I did not have an awareness of it. And I'm glad you told me about it because I love a lot of these people. Patty Harrison, uh, Jimmy, Molly, Ben Platt. You know, these these yeah, are people yeah. that and I owe. Uh, these, these are people, obviously, that we've kind of gushed over the past couple years. Um, this hit me a little hard, uh, mostly because, like, I went to uh, an art school, um, and it really was the first time that I ex- had experienced uh, this sort of thing. Like, you know, I was I was literary arts. There's a level of drama to it. But we were kids. We were friends with the drama group. Because uh, sometimes there will be crossover with projects. So, you know, I was definitely super friends with like kids that would faint, like fall over faint. Uh, oh, my goodness. A lot of that. Oh, a lot of that. A lot of a lot of drama. And it just <laughs> but, but what it does for you is like you just. It's just experience. It's just experience. And people that are intensely in love with what they do is almost like it, it feels contagious. You know, you, you like around somebody that loves theater that much. <laughs> you can't help but feel like, oh, man, maybe I should watch Bye Bye Birdie. I feel, you know what I mean? Like that stuff really uh, sticks with you. So, um, yeah, I, I had a connection to it. I had a personal connection to it. But it was just well acted, funny, just hit hard. Like the the laughs were big to me. Like I think I was expecting something a little more like insider baseball. But I think that anybody could really understand the perspective of this. You know, it's just uh, uh, financial issues and yeah. and really dramatic kids, <laughs> you know, and and counselors, and you know, it's just like. So funny. And 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 you think that right when you think at the end, like it's over, the the laugh at the end was so crazy to me. The choice that they made, um, the reveal at the end about the like the, the video or whatever that was, 
It just yeah. kept giving. It just kept giving more laughs to me. Like I just, I loved it. I th- I want to see it again. I probably will suggest that my wife and I watch it. Um, but ten out of ten. Cool. So, I'm glad you liked it, John. Yeah. I guess I'll be the. I'll bring up the 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 bottom of the scale on this one. I I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I I think I didn't laugh as much as I thought I would. And I think it rushed through a lot of the story beats. It was trying to kind of pile in. Like, I don't know what the plot line about the camp being purchased by the other company. Like, I don't really don't know what that plot line was really doing in this movie when it didn't really have much of a payoff, even though I do like that actress. Uh, she was on, um, uh, Tim Robinson's, I think you should leave. Uh, uh, you know, always playing a much more crazy manic character. So it was kind of interesting to see her play. I, 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 I don't have her name in front of me, but it was interesting to see her play. A, you know, a sort of tamped down version of of the kind of energy she normally does. Patty Harrison uh, is yeah, she the yeah. one who was the like the the lady who was trying to buy the camp for the yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah, yeah. Patty, Patty Harrison. Harrison she's very funny anyway I thought she was funny. good I thought uh, Jimmy Tatro is that it. Uh, I thought he was great. I thought Molly Gordon was fun to watch and uh, Ben Platt was fun to watch, um, especially in the opening stretch. Like, I really think most of the laughs for me were in that first half hour or something like that. Like, I really loved the sort of setup. Um, I, I, like you, Ronald, I went to a magnet school um, and a lot of my friends were theater kids and one of my longtime girlfriends was a theater kid and mm. i go i work at a art school now and I, it's like the difference between the sort of performing arts like theater and music and i work in the film department and you know and also i when i was in in a magnet school i was in the visual arts department and you start to see the difference between these like art yes. forms where you sit back and you create and maybe it's a little bit on your own and it's a little bit like go do your own thing and then bring it to this process versus this super collaborative, yeah. super hardcore thing. So whereas I never went to theater camp, I mean, it's funny, I was going to say a very, very similar thing to what you said. Um, I, I never went to one, but I was like this close to it, uh, that energy and the friends yeah. that I had and the people that I knew. And I've always loved the let's put on a show thing. I think you can analyze like what makes someone a theater kid. There is a little bit of passion for the craft and a little bit of look at me and a little bit of, like you said, fainting. And <laughs> I mean, you, you need that kind of person around you sometimes because <laughs> I mean, do. honestly, if you're a filmmaker or if you're a film student, you're sort of sitting there grumping around typing you know like sitting in the back of the room i don't know there's there is a difference in those kind of energies and um i thought the movie captured it really well uh like the best moments were the moments where it was just like a funny character turn um but i I, like i said i felt like it didn't quite know whether it was going whether it was going for like this almost like um altman-esque or link ladder-esque kind of portrait of a scene that where the where the camera Mm. just moves around or doing almost like a uh, a modern take on like a Christopher Guest kind of like joke, joke, yeah. joke kind of thing. And I just didn't find it that funny after a certain point. Maybe it felt like it was the same joke over and over. And I think when it got to the sort of the happy ending, the kind of, um, you know, the the moving ending, to me, it felt like it was a little cheesy or schmaltzy compared to what had come before. But I still, um, like the cast is really what made it sing. And um, uh like, you know, people that I thought might have had bigger things to do in it, like Amy Sedaris and uh, Ao, um, were f- just funny in their moments. I don't know. I, I think it's just that kind of movie where they get the right people together and there's a, a certain level of production value to it that just makes it makes it click. But for me, definitely, I, th- I, I the first half was more uh, like I, I just feel like it was funnier and and maybe the rhythm of it felt more 
more energetic or something in the, in the first half. But I can totally see why this is, as you said, Steve, kind of a crowd pleaser. I think it probably would have been fun to see this with a crowded theater. Um, maybe not full of theater kids because they can be so demonstrative, uh, but uh, maybe like half theater kids and half uh, half regular civilians would have been a fun screening to see this. Um, and, I, you know, Molly Gordon, I, I, I recognized her uh, from, she played Claire, I think is the name of her character on The Bear. Um, yeah. I, I, that's the first time I remember seeing her. So in this, I was like, oh yeah, her. And then it's like, there's, you know, the other actor connection to the bear as well. Um, it, it didn't occur to me until I was looking this movie up that she's one of the creative forces behind it too. So I think that's kind of interesting. It makes you always wonder like, okay, cool. What will this person do now? Or, you know, is she going to be a person who is, is as active behind the camera as she is in front of it? Um, I think some of the funniest moments in the first chunk of this movie are her and, uh, Ben Platt, you know, Platt just being so switched on and like <laughs> humming at this high frequency, putting together these songs and stuff, um, kind of self-mythologizing as they go. Um, yeah, no, it's very sweet and you, and, and super inclusive. Uh, and, and I think yeah. that's something that always kind of warms your heart uh, when you see this kind of movie. So I do think it's a very likable movie, even if it didn't, didn't fully uh, connect for me. <clears throat> yeah. I guess I fall more in line with what, what, what I guess what Ronald, you know, his takeaway from it. I don't know. I, I watched this with Aaron and uh i kind of was i kind of fell in love with the movie like i don't know i just something connected me immediately i never went to a theater camp i definitely was involved in theater in in you know middle school and high school but never to this degree um but i don't know i just something with the characters and like, like you were saying john just kind of the you know the interplay with uh you know uh with ben platt and molly's characters definitely stood out to me and honestly like just with some of the kids too like i, I really loved uh, a couple of the the younger actors that were in the movie specifically uh luke i think his name is luke, luke islam uh he played the the kid that was like buying the uh <laughs> like the black market throat coat tea, tea packets <laughs> and like, he's like, he's like, he's like this better be real and he smells it he, if you've ever used throat coat like any vocalist a lot of people you maybe have all used it yes like i used to live on that shit when we would tour with the band like yeah, that was really funny you, you know you smell it and you're just like oh i know the smell he's saying he's <laughs> he's feeling that says oh this is real this is good this is the real thing like that scene for me that would really just crack me up but yeah i i just love the movie i think i just really found all everybody like all the characters really entertaining you know the scene where they can tell that she she had the the tear the tear stick and you know like all these things that i i feel like i've i've seen these in action like in in theater like in, yeah. in even my minimum you know experience with it so it's really funny to see like how they pop up um you know and a lot of the staff at the camp um i thought were really funny and uh, yeah, and Jimmy was great. I love the scene where Devin is singing. His, I was going to say that song to, to better oh, now, and and you can and it, it's like he just connects and starts dancing his way down the stage. <laughs> that that part <laughs> made, me, made me laugh so hard. I mean, I honestly, I feel like after that, I was waiting to laugh that hard again. You know what I mean? In the yeah, movie. I, yeah, but yeah. that scene got me. That, yeah, I, that he, that he shook his hand. hand. That was yeah. so good. Man. And like, he was like, "You got it. You know anything else? You can, what did he say? Like sunflower? You know? He's got, you know anything? You know any other post songs? You got? Yeah." yeah. You know any other post songs is such a funny question. Oh my god, I was dying. I was dying. Oh, but yeah, I don't know, god. man. I just, I just really love this movie. I love yeah. the last, you know, yeah. the big performance at the end. The music was great. I'm, I mean, I feel I, I definitely got emotional. I cried a little bit watching Me it too, the end. Man. Like when they get to the end, even when they realize like how talented Glenn is. Like I just the whole movie, I was just yeah. like, when is Glenn's moment? And I, that just really 
I don't know, like Amos or Ben Platt's character, like acknowledging it or him and Molly kind of acknowledging it together. Like that mm-hmm. was such a moment. And yeah. I don't know. I just thought that all really worked. I um, did like that moment. I, I I didn't, you know, normally I'm the, I'm the easy cry. And for whatever reason, this one didn't get me, but I did really like the, the sort of, I almost liked it better when it was like a joke that, right. th- that he was like, like, made for this and no one knew it um yeah, like, yeah. like even that scene where they <laughs> had to get somewhere fast and there's this really theatrical graceful roll down the hill that that down really <laughs> i thought that was really funny um but like oh i but God. but i went again I, it's just i i appreciate the sweetness even if i felt like oh i was i was enjoying the sort of subversive joke of this guy really should be the star you know uh, yeah, or this person yeah. really should be the star um but i did not I, at the time i wasn't even connecting that actor to the the their role behind the scenes shaping this thing too so when you start to see it that way as like a showcase um i don't know it's it's neat to see it reminds me again of the christopher guest like it's like a sweet uh version of that like a wholesome sweet modern version of that christopher guest thing of like where maybe instead of improv performers you have you know a script but like the fact that it's made by the people that are appearing in it i do think that gives it a uh, a kind of energy and suggests like a perspective maybe that you wouldn't have um if this was like you know made made more like a mainstream comedy it it does it does yeah, feel very sure. indie despite all these name actors that we uh, just mentioned like there's a scrappiness to the way that it's put together <clears throat> So yeah, yeah, I think we're all, I think we're all saying this is a nice watch, and you guys are just saying it a little bit harder. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, if you didn't watch along, uh, you can watch it on Hulu right now, and I think it's on some other demand channels also if you want to rent it or buy it. Um, so who's next, John? You're up, right? Which where are we going next? I'm up. You know, I, I thought like it would be good since this was sort of a uh, a teen movie. Um, it would be good to uh, like steer away from how inclusive and diverse a teen movie can be and maybe go back to the 80s and uh and and watch something from then but this is just a movie that's been on my list for a while and it's kind of a back to school idea a little while ago i thought okay maybe this will be a good movie for back to school it just so happens to follow uh theater camp but it's a movie from 1987 directed by phil janu or joanu i don't know how to say his name uh but he was a video director that got picked to direct a teen comedy that's kind of a black comedy and almost like a satire of the john hughes movies of the time but also it's it's its own kind of sincere teen movie three o'clock high three o'clock high i don't know if i know that one i know this one I just remember when it was on when it was all over HBO. It was very like it was a little bit darker and and more of a black comedy uh, than than the average. Okay, TV is it like time. somebody holding a hand or something? Yeah, it's like a hand busting John. on a clock, holding on to a uh, Casey yeah. Schmesko. Is there a library involved? I believe there's a library involved, like in the like the school library. Yes, I believe so. I believe so. I can't remember I all the specifics. Of I, I can see the cover. Ooh. I can. I remember the cover of this it's, movie. It's basically a guy who, who in the morning finds out that the new like complete badass that's at his school wants to kick his ass and is going to kick his ass at three o'clock. And so he all day long tries every possible thing to get out of it, and then eventually accepts his fate and gets ready for the big fight at three o'clock in front of everybody. So it's a you know it's a little like I said it's a little bit heightened, but it also I think still tries to go for those those teen movie feels. Um, but you know this is from. 
from the era where people in their mid twenties played teenagers. Um, this is from the era we're almost definitely get going to get a slur. I, I almost wanted to create like a little checklist of like, is it going to be is it going to be weird misogyny? Is it going to be something weirdly racial, or is it going to be some homophobic slurs? I don't know, but I feel like it's an eighties teen movie. One of those three things is going to be in it. But um, but three o'clock high is uh, I just remember it, it has a visual style. I believe it's uh, the cinematography is by Barry Sonnenfeld. Um, so, you know, if you know his work, working with the Coen brothers and, um, directing, uh, the Adams family movies, it's like, there's a, um, there's a, there's a kind of camera style that's almost like a Sam Raimi-esque approach to, oh, wow. to the camera work. And I, 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 again, I just remember this being a particularly stylish and visually interesting and funny, uh, teen movie. So three o'clock high will be our back to school special. Very cool. In a couple of weeks. It looks like it's yeah. It looks like it's uh, not streaming. It looks oh. like it's uh, it's a. Uh, this is going to be a rental of some okay. kind. Uh, all, all of the standard rental platforms is basically three bucks or four bucks to rent. Pony up that three or four dollars. Yes. You you'll yeah. enjoy it. Well, we have I remember this. This is like a H. This was you're right, John. HBO staple. Yeah, I remember the fear in his eyes. I remember the camera focusing on his face a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I yeah. I think there's a crazy library scene, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. I, again, I, I'm trying to remember wh- how, what, like, what order events. Like, he goes through a lot of different schemes to try to get out of it, and I do believe yeah, yeah. that he either works in the school library or spends some time in there. I have not seen it probably in probably 20 years myself at this point, but I feel okay. like I watched it three or four times, you know, just because it was on. So, I can't wait. Speaking of getting out of things, it looks like Steven Spielberg was the executive producer on this movie. Whoa. And asked to have his name removed from the credits, <laughs> as he had done two years earlier with another young com- youth comedy, Fandango. Both films would go on to have strong cult followings. Damn. I, I wonder Take what my name Stevie was was, was uh, saying. Like, I wonder what it was that bothered him, because it almost seems yeah. like, especially in the eighties, he was, you know, he was a bit more uh, risque, or you know, his yeah. name kind of like he he worked on a lot of different, almost like harder edged things uh back in those days so i wonder what it was truly what if it's the quality <laughs> maybe it is what if he's like no i'm out, <laughs> I'm out. they say it's slur he's like nope not 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 participating in this shit now that word for homosexuals will go out of fashion within the next 20 years and I... <laughs> I predict yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool right, man cool. that's a that's a really good selection thanks man Three i, I cannot wait to watch this um all right, what else you guys watched recently? Anything else you want to review? I know, John, you saw a couple things in the theater, mm-hmm. you said? Yeah, I saw the new uh, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Branagh murder mystery, the Hercule Poirot, the, the two mustaches <laughs> murder mystery series. Um, and, uh, you know, people are saying this is the best one of the, of the, the three. And I can't, I feel like I watched the second one and don't remember much about it. So I'm willing to bet that maybe this is the best one. I don't remember really loving the first one. I feel like I've loved the idea of this series mm. more than the series. And I think this new one does have some kind of fun moments in it, but I don't know. It didn't fully convince me that they've worked out the kinks of the formula. The only thing that that really felt special about it <clears throat> really was like, you know, it's it feels like it's shot on location. I didn't actually look it up to see, but it takes place in Venice, as the title would suggest. And, you know, you really feel that, that they shot like, 
stuff actually there in the canals and then there's it seems that the main house is actually there um and there's a few things with the performances in it michelle yo uh gets some mileage out of out of her turn and and uh you know kenneth brown it's kind of fun to watch in it but i don't know it didn't quite blow me away but um it had some nice moments of atmosphere and it 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 people are saying it kind of leans into horror i think the best parts of it are in the earlier scenes where you feel like it almost is you're not sure what kind of story you're seeing as it goes along and things kind of become explained um you know it's a little bit more like a straight you know the murder is someone in this house kind of mystery but um i don't know i enjoyed it it it, like i didn't fall asleep (laughs) and i didn't get mad um i can't decide if tina fey is a good actress for this type of thing or not. Um, she's she's mm. all over it, though. And there's some scenes where it really feels like she's clicking and other scenes it feels a little, maybe like they're letting her riff or something and it doesn't quite meld with the overall thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess if you liked the other two, this is probably a big go ahead. If you didn't like the other two, I think this is probably a wait for it because it was enjoyable, but it didn't, uh, you know, didn't blow me away. <clears throat> It couldn't have been more unclear that this was the third movie in the trilogy. Like, I, I, I wish they would have put like a murder mystery or something. I just, it's almost like they're distancing themselves. It's almost like they're trying to reboot it as like a more genreified oh, thing. Oh. I mean, I don't know. I was going to ask actually when you mentioned that, Ronald. I was wondering, what do you think, Steve? Do you know what I mean? Like, it almost feels like the marketing in this didn't really lean into this is another Hercule Poirot mystery from this series. It almost felt like it was leaning more into like, it's a conjuring <laughs> spinoff or something. <laughs> I mean, definitely we're, I mean, yeah, the marketing for sure was more trying to make it like a horror thriller mystery movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I, I mean, I don't really think even like death and Nile like really was all that, like that they, they didn't do like a very overt job of like branding these as a trilogy or like the same series. If anything, it'd be like the character returns or, you know, it's like that would be the hook. And if you're not like, it, you know, I don't even think that murder had like the biggest following to be like, oh, what this is the next one. You know, yeah. like, it's just, uh, you know, I think people that go to the movies may have recognized it, you know, but I don't think their marketing behind it was really aggressively trying to tie anything together because it probably did have a better chance, you know on its own as a different thing because I think, you know, mm. death in the Nile was a whole, you know, that was a really one of those COVID thing. It got stuck in a weird spot when it came out, but I, I really wanted to see this. Like I thought, I thought the trailers looked really good and I, I liked those other movies. I liked the first mm-hmm. two movies. Um, so uh, this one seemed like definitely way more um, into my preference in terms of the kind of movie, but I, you know, the mystery horror thriller, whatever degree it goes to like, I definitely plan on watching this uh, soon, hopefully, but I mm. um, need to check it out. I mean, it's it's fun to watch and you will find yourself enjoying like, oh, yeah, you get a lot of mileage out of just having cameras in Venice. Like, let's yeah. not forget there's places in the world <laughs> to go to go take a camera <laughs> instead of, you know, doing everything digitally or trying to cheat things or, or whatever. Um, and I still think there's even though this isn't like as star studded of a cast as the, the last couple were there's still a little bit of that element of it's fun to see who kind of the people that you do know how they pop up in this um Mm, but i actually felt like that was another way they kind of swerved was this this is more like theatrical actors it feels like and it's almost staged more like a play um uh with a slightly smaller cast of characters and it is all in a house rather than you know on a boat or on Uh, a train which is a bit more of a production uh thing but uh no you know it's another uh 
I guess I almost say this. Yeah, I already said it's kind of a go, go ahead for the fans, and it's a wait for it if you if if you're like me and you you didn't love the other two. This one this one's not this one doesn't uh, like completely cure it all. But I will say I've seen all three, and I probably if they did a fourth one, I'd see it too because I I'm kind of a sucker for the sort of genre spot that these sit in. Um, and Kenneth Branagh yeah. is an interesting director. I don't know. I just I think he's always worth taking a look at. I think it's kind of crazy. Also, like looking back at Murder, like looking at the cast of that one. It is insane who's in that movie, like the the like the level of of star. I guess yeah. is what I'm getting at. Yes, you know, like Olivia Coleman, Penelope Cruz, Daisy Ridley, uh, Judy Dench, Willem Dafoe, Josh Gad, Michelle Pfeiffer, Johnny Depp. You know what I mean? Like this. Yeah. That's like yeah. I mean, there's definitely stars in this one, but I mean, like that is like pretty top tier. You know, whether you like the people or whatever came of these like Johnny Depp of it all. But like, you can't deny like star wise, like that's a huge star to have in a movie. Um, even, you know, barely six or seven years ago, it's, it still was different. Yeah. Some big but, stars. Uh, it's kind of crazy what they've Some, gotten in these. Something bothers me about this movie. Fresh off of this movie. I saw a trailer for something else that looks like it's double in quality, double in scares. And that's the fall of the House of Usher, which feels like a, <laughs> a, mis- a murder mystery with some supernatural elements and like a you spooky know, knives out. Yeah. Spooky yeah. knives out. Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but, I, you know, that's kind of what I thought about it when I first watched it. But it, it bothers me that this movie comes out and, and probably isn't going to get the fanfare. And then this other movie, this other show is going to come out and probably do gangbusters because it has. Mike Flanagan, if 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 maybe a chief complaint for people that like stuff that's a little sillier is that man, I, I wanna I wanna laugh from time to time. And it looks like he he's like, okay, all right, I got yeah. you. I got you, bastards. It's definitely got like a satire, like yeah. or, or like it's it's got I mean it and for it it seems like it's about what, like a pharmaceutical empire like it's definitely adding it's not it's not a straight adaptation of the post stories but i think what's going to happen is that each each episode is probably going to spin off if it seems like it's just the family dying off one by one Mm. he's going to adapt a post story kind of within each one of those tales would be my guess so it's a cool way to do it and it's reminiscent of what he did with the um uh the bly manor which is like incorporating a lot of different henry james stories into one season Mm. so no i can't wait for that 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 mike flanagan spot i do think if there's anything like if there's anything that would make me go oh cool he's switching it up it's that ronald because i love his style yeah and i don't want to see him go so far down his long monologue heavy emotional style i don't want to see him go further down that you know what i mean when we're at the point of like seeing that he does that and then um uh gosh i'm spacing on the name of the 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 last miniseries he did that was full of monologues uh the the church one on the island uh that was so good by the way uh midnight mass midnight mass which is one of my favorites of them i i it just hit me super hard man like i I love that really yeah i really enjoyed it and it was also gorgeous it was a gorgeous show like (laughs) It just looked so beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm looking Wait, forward to that. Am, am yeah, this, I is, this is the end of his Netflix run, too. He's going to uh, Amazon. Amazon. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready. But, but 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 to finish my thought, having seen Midnight Mass and thinking, oh, mm-hmm. I loved that. But I, at times, yeah. it tested even my desire to see long emotional monologues. <laughs> I'd be like, what's he going to do now? And 
I'm so glad that he's got an answer to that question of like, yeah, oh, this too. one looks a little bit more funny and maybe even a little bit more kind of to your point, Ronald, about a certain kind of horror that we all like a little bit mean. Like, mm-hmm. like here's if this is like a rich, privileged family that has a comeuppance coming because of like past crimes or what their what their, uh, you know, patriarch did. I feel like that feels culturally like we're ready to see that happen <laughs> right yeah. now. Yeah, and that's a sure. fun that's a fun set them up and knock them down kind of thing to do with like, you know. Uh, an anthology sort of style show, uh, anthology within a story. So no, I'm yeah. I'm totally ready for that. Um, um, I have a couple of the things that I saw, but I wanted to ask you guys since I just went off about uh, haunting in Venice. Did anybody else watch anything that uh, sticks in their mind? Steve, I want you to because I feel like Steve I, sometimes you'll hit me with something. I'm like no, nah, man. I, honestly, it's been it's been a pretty slow week for me. I'm, okay. I'm solo this week um, here at the house, but uh, with new lighting. Uh, with new lighting, yeah. got back from vacation, didn't watch much besides Winning Time, which we I'm not going to talk about the finale. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've watched a whole whole lot. I'm up to date on Only Murders, which I'm thinking, you know, I'm enjoying as always. Okay. Oh, I thought I, um, I think this season has been great. Of Only yeah, Murders. it's great. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's very reliable. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it switched things up in an interesting way. Like it's doing that season three thing you kind of want a show to do. Of like, yeah. it knows what the formula is and it knows how to test you know, like what you'll pretend you think is going to happen <laughs> on a show that has like core characters that you don't really expect. Yeah. Um, no, I think that, that that's been really solid, especially during the time no, where, I'll, I'll, where we're all jumping to talk about how much we love Martin Short because of that op-ed piece that took a big shit on him that, you know, all over Twitter, everyone was, was just talking about how much they love him after that. I thought that was kind of a, it almost seemed yeah. like Martin Short's people planted the story because it got so much love thrown his way. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, uh, no, but I, I haven't really seen a lot, Ronald. I mean, what, what, what have you watched? Uh, I, maybe two things that I want to talk uh, maybe? about. Maybe you're not sure maybe. if you saw two things. Yeah. Angel Black Manuel Soto. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, sorry, did. I what, did. What is it called? Uh, Blue Beetle. Oh, oh, the director, the director. Yes. Um, this thing, I got a problem. I got a problem. I feel is it the like, same problem I had? Yeah. I feel like the marketing in general, I feel like the feelings that people have, the dread that people have about uh, DC is not letting people enjoy movies like Flash, not letting people enjoy movies like Blue Beetle, and the decision to tell us that the world is about to change. Also, it's like, well, I'm, well why the fuck am I vested in this? Right. And then here comes a, a sturdy little feisty fucking movie with an <laughs> incredible music. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who they snatched up. I don't know what drive. It's like they took the drive people. They took a couple people from uh, uh, Adventure Time, and it's just it just this fusion of really cool electronic music that just sounds incredible. That's one. The acting is incredible. Um, just from everybody. I, I I don't know if there's any standouts because everybody's so fucking good in this movie that it just feels special. It feels like everybody's on the same accord. They, they're they very aware of how special this is. Um, a, a Hispanic-American superhero. And, and once you see it, sure. I mean, it has some, like, elements of, like, Iron Man, but there's some body horror. There's some... And, and the... The practical suit. Can we talk about practical effects for a second? Practical things happening in front of you really make a difference in how you process the action. 
And seeing that real suit rather than some CGI suit on somebody's body, I'm talking to you for Flash, you piece of shit, doing that CGI shit. When you see something practical on somebody, we're just talking about how people are too hard. On I just mean the CGI. <laughs> no, on I know the it's mind. just funny. But I know, I know. <laughs> like I, the poor Flash, nothing. the poor Flash was like, "Hey, someone's talking about how the Flash movie's not that bad. Good, I'll listen in." And then it's like, "I'm a piece yeah. of shit." Just poor the practical, practical. Just the outfit. That's an Ant Man problem too. That's a that's a it's Iron Ant-Man. Man problem. Yeah, it's just... like all this shit that does like nanotechnology. Yes, is like I see yes. why they do it from a from a logistical standpoint 100%. of of letting us see the actors' faces and everything. Yeah. But I do think you lose something when you don't have to like do a cleverly designed like do a clever design job on a suit. You know that's part of the yeah. ingenuity of some of these these character designs or should be. I, am I pronouncing this guy's name right? Zolo is this is his name? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just he he knows how to do emotion the right way, man. It's 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 subtle. I don't I don't know where this guy came from, but he hit me like a ton of bricks when you know uh, the Karate Kid prequel. Why why can't I think of Cobra Kai? Cobra Kai came out, and uh, his his many many turn twists and turns in that show. He led this movie. You know, you watch somebody you're like, you know, can he pull this off? He it really feels like a special movie. It looks good. It sounds nuts. And, you know, this movie is done for half of the money that it costs to do the flash and looks 10 times better. It bothered me so bad how good this movie looked in comparison that how, how much better it looks than Ant-Man. How much better it looks than most things out right now. And I think that that came from wanting to represent. You you know, you have this this finite opportunity to really bring this Hispanic American actor to the light. And they succeeded on all levels. I mean, some of the cliches are there, but this is a fun movie, man, with an ensemble cast. You know, um, George Lopez coming through with a bunch of random jokes. They kind of let him fly. Um, an interesting villain and, and a twist at the end. It's just it's, it's, it's one of those movies. It's just one of those movies that I will buy physical for. I'll buy a digital now. I'll you know, I rented it, but I'll buy a digital. It just is special. All right. That's one. The second. Man. I've never just wanted to get a service to watch a thing, but Screenbox has a docu-series called RoboDoc that you should get into your life. It's a four-part <laughs> series. It's about an hour, hour 10, and it has the majority, almost all the actors that are alive are in it. That's like 95% of the people from the movie that are that are alive, you know, and I bet if some of the actors that passed away, rest in peace to those people. If they if they show if they were alive, they would be in this thing. It's just it's nuts. It's gratuitous. It, it you know it's 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 a really cool look at the process of writing, um, the marketing for the movie, some of the inspiration it took from <laughs> the idea that like somehow the 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 writer never heard of judge dread never saw judge dread even though it was so similar <laughs> in terms of just the bottom half of the face showing and no one was doing that at that time 
the fact that these two things existed at the same time and nobody ever heard of it it's just mm-hmm. it's just really interesting but all of these these really candid interviews from the director from tons of the actors from production from production just made for this really cool docu series that you should check out robodoc please check it out it is so fun it's funny so thing violent. about that is that I backed this when it was a feature film on Kickstarter like Get seven out of years here. ago. Yes, yes, I, I I've been watching it too. It's yeah. Th- this is a if you if you want. I mean, you having watched it, Ron, you should Google this. But like the journey this thing has taken has been so interesting because I think I did like just one of the basic things. Like when it was going to be a film, it was going to be like a digital copy of the film, you know. But then it kind of as a lot of these like Kickstarter you know, documentaries or docu-series about like 80s horror or 80s mm. toys, like what all these things, they, they kind of blow up into something way bigger than a uh. lot of them start out as. But yeah, like this thing started as a like a feature documentary film oh, wow. about the making of it. And over the last like, I, I literally think it was like seven years ago. And it's just been like dormant, dormant, dormant. And then eventually, yeah, this has happened now where they put it together as a, a series, like you said, on Screenbox. So it's, it's yeah. so weird to finally see, you know, every year or so you get like an update on the Kickstarter page about what's happening. Oh. But, you know, then now to see that it actually came out is pretty awesome. Did they send you anything? Any notification about it? Or I just get the, I, I don't know what I ended up, I actually trying to remember what I actually ended up getting because I, they changed like all of the backing levels when it okay. went from being a movie like they never got to release the movie really is ba- gotcha. I think what basically what happened. Like, I don't know if something happened with like, I don't know. I can't remember the details of it. The last, the last update I remember was kind of, was kind of weird. Uh, hold on. Wait, it was five. Yeah. And that's just the screen box announcement. I can't remember what I actually ended up getting, but I got like an email, like maybe like four months ago Okay, that it was going to be, you know, a, a series really cool and then they were like redoing the tears or whatever but mm. i don't know it's just it doesn't really matter because i did like the one of the cheapest things just to kind of be a part of it yeah that was the era where i was like backing everything on kickstarter <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to see what i could get help get made uh but that's cool man I, yeah i gotta i gotta catch up i've only watched i think i watched the first two yeah me too i'm i'm, I'm watching the first two i mean in there you know they're lengthy episodes they're, some of them are a little over an hour yeah. So and it dense. They're dense. It's a lot of content for each episode. Like you, you will not be disappointed. It's essentially four hours plus of just straight Robo Robocop talk, and yeah. you know, just design things, molds, like you know, behind the scenes things. How the voice came to be, who the voice is. It's just like it's incredible, yeah. man. Like it's it's a good docu series worth checking out. RoboDoc on uh, Screenbox. Well, I, <clears throat> I guess I'll close it out with a couple things I've watched. Yeah. Um, you know, they're kind of united uh, in a sense because one of them is a is a fictional film based on a true story oh. that is sort of like too strange to be true, and the other one is a documentary based on 
a, a true story that is sort of hard to believe, but still works as a documentary. And uh, the, the, the first one I'm talking about is um, actually for me could be an incredibly uh, irritating movie simply because it's the same source material as an idea that I've had a back and forth kicked around with a friend of mine mm. for about 30 years. Uh, so like, I've, you know, we've had this story idea or this movie idea based on it's, it's one of those, if you ever got into like, you know, uh, you know, news of the weird or like, uh, you know, unexplained tales or creatures, uh, you know, cryptozoology, that kind of thing. You may have heard of Jeff, the talking mongoose, um, oh, which right. is like, it's like a ghost story that you hear. And there was a book written about it basically in the early thirties on the Isle of Man, which is a, which is an Island that's kind of between, uh, I think it's in the Irish sea between, uh, England and Ireland. So it's, it's its own, you know, British, uh, what are they what do they call it it's like a, a dependency it's a uh self-governing british crown dependency so it's not really ireland and it's not really england but anyway it's a place where on this farmhouse this girl voire uh and her her parents the irvings they, they began to hear scratchings around their house and then a voice and then it's it's you know in what they've claimed is that it is a talking mongoose that sort of spies on people in town and it knows things about people in town and sometimes that stuff it was always like how do they know some of the things they know but also the daughter was known to be a ventriloquist so it really suggests that she was throwing her voice maybe in the house and tricking some people no one really ever saw jeff the mongoose but they they uh would say they heard him uh and so there but it's just enough of an unexplained like exactly what was going on here thing that it's been handed down through history as kind of a cool eerie weird kind of funny story um and oh, wow. This new movie, Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, that stars Simon Pegg and Minnie Driver, uh, with the voice of Neil Gaiman uh, as the mongoose. It, you know, like part of me was like, I was glad to see it made reasonably well and have like Simon Pegg in the lead. But as the movie wears on, it's it's like I don't know. It's one of those small movies that feels like it's it it's like it needs a final act or it needs something to wrap mm. up the story because there is such an uncompleted nature to this story. What what actually happens is this Nandor Fodor guy goes to the farmhouse and stays there or stays nearby for a few days, doesn't see the mongoose, uh, hears him talks to him a couple times and then leaves, and that's kind of what the movie's dealing with as like the story. Mm. not much of a story there and it kind of ends on the note of you don't really know what people are telling you whether it's true or not but just let people believe what they want to believe kind of i don't know it's a it's a weird sort of soft ending to a movie that could have been funnier and could have been could have had more of a concept behind it but it is maybe the first half hour or so does do a great job of kind of summing up the facts quote unquote of the case of jeff the mongoose um so i do recommend it as a kind of you know, if you if you're if you're willing to go into something that feels small and kind of quaint, but has like a certain charm to it, Christopher Lloyd is in it in a in a kind of medium sized role. Um, scenes play out like plays. It's almost like it's not. It, if it were a little bit funnier, or if it were a little bit more moody or something, or had more of a point to it, a lot of the the ways that it's put together would start to have more weight. But like even Minnie Driver, she's got some nice scenes with Simon Pegg, and their characters have a nice dynamic. But ultimately, it doesn't really amount to much in this in this movie. But um, there are a few scenes and a few shots that are like straight from my imagination or straight from my mental storyboards. So part of me is like, well, hey, someone made it. You know, one of those ideas you've had is like, I don't have to make it. Someone made it. Yeah. I, I'd like to think my version 
which would have centered on the family more. I, I you know, like I, it's hard not to see how this story could have been more dynamic and more interesting. But um, you know, if the subject matter interests you, it is it is kind of a quaint little quirky movie. Um, but yeah, not not much going on beyond the the concept. Um, mm. and just some of the performers in it and kind of the look and feel of it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess this is a wait for it, uh, but it, it's already on streaming, so I don't know what you're waiting for. You're waiting for it to be cheaper. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing I said, which is a documentary about something creepy, I saw this movie called The Unbinding, which um, I just started seeing, I guess, maybe festival reviews of this, saying this was a really legitimately scary documentary, and I'm always on the lookout for a scary documentary. Um, and I keep, I feel like this is my catchphrase tonight. Like the first half hour or half or so of this is really interesting because they do reenactments of, of people talking about this particular haunted object um, that, that they find in the woods and they bring home. And it's that kind of based on a true story thing where, I don't know, I really think there's a bigger topic that I would love to talk to you guys about, which is that whole subject of whether you believe in ghosts or not, and how that's going to be a filter you put on everything. So if you believe in ghosts, you're going to watch this documentary, and you're going to come out of it going, oh my God, that's mind-blowing that they had the experience they had. And if you don't, then you're going to come out of it going, oh, that was interesting and creepy, but they really did not try to convince me as a skeptic. And maybe that's yeah. fine. I think that's fine to have a movie that's not trying to convince me as a skeptic. But it really felt like as it was going on, it was really lacking that someone outside of this saying, well, here's what could be going on when people have these kind of, you know, when people are sure they've seen hallucinations. Um, because, uh, I don't know, sometimes it feels like nobody wants to say, well, this is all bullshit, right? because the whole uh, House of Cards comes tumbling down. Um, and so everybody just kind of goes along with it. And there's a couple points in this movie where the narrator or the the, the talking heads talk about it like they've just proven something, but they kind of haven't, mm. but they talk past it. And there's another part where he says, our story, what we were finding out was lining up perfectly with what people were saying on Reddit. And that's given as like evidence of the truth of it. But when you're listening, you're like, wait, I don't know that I'm thinking of lining up with what's being said on Reddit necessarily as something great. And then later he says, like, I think this pretty objectively shows that something was going on. And he and it, what he said is not that's not true. It, you know, it's like so I feel like almost don't mention that if you're if you're going to be that cursory in your approach towards like appealing to people's logical sense about what could be happening. Yeah. Um like don't don't talk about it at all if you're really just yeah. trying to give us the heebie-jeebies because it really feels like they omitted and maybe so if the director was interviewed he'd say yeah we decided not to include skeptical voices and that's fine i think it's just it's like if this was a fictional movie i would be blown away by how well they created a sense of something palpably and you know that was scary but as a documentary it feels like it's a little too in love with you know this preconceived notion that we all believe that that this is truly happening but mm. it is creepy and I, I do think they do a great job with those those early reenactments of just what people are saying is happening after this object makes it into their home so if that all sounds intriguing especially if you're a believer in this kind of thing i think the unbinding takes an interesting approach because at the end of the movie it almost defangs the fear by saying we should be more accepting and we should like try to help spirits you know um mm. which is a nice notion but it's a, it's it's exactly like watching a horror movie you know when you get to that last third of many horror movies where they have to go we have to go undo the curse or we have to go bury the remains or whatever and it's never as interesting as the part where people are hearing things in the night you know right, um, right. i yeah. think it's so it's a problem in a documentary about this just as much as it would be in a fictional version but um a very very well-made documentary that 
if if production value is the thing that convinces you that something's not just total malarkey, um, I think you know this movie has a lot going for it. And yes, I just used a a, a, a grandpa word, malarkey. <clears throat> malarkey. <laughs> I like it. So the Unbinding and uh, uh, Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose were my other sort of semi picks. Make sure I didn't watch anything else. No, I got nothing. All right, cool. Well, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. That's I mean, a lot of stuff. That's an episode. I gotta say, Ronald, I'm glad that you uh, you you checked out Blue Beetle and kind of felt like literally the same as I did. Like I I feel like we mentioned the same things. Like when I talked about it a couple episodes back, but like, yeah, I would say just another reason, another opportunity for us to like recommend trying to check the movie out wherever you want to check it out. Yeah. Um, because the difference between then and now, I think, is is going to be on digital or it is on digital. I think now video yeah. on demand options for you. Like you said, you rented it. Um, I saw it in theaters, and you know it's it's at home now. So if you're waiting, I, I too highly recommend it. I thought it was I thought it was way better than I was expecting, and yeah. I I thought it was great. Um, yeah. So that's that's a, another recommendation from both of us. Cool. Guess I got to see it now. I was already playing. Yeah, I think you should, John. I mean, <laughs> you should just do it, man. Um, you've heard it from both of us now. Um, I even enjoyed that piece of shit, The Flash. So um, <laughs> that CG shit, yeah. It's fucking. I mean, honestly, that is the that is the sad part about that movie is that like you could For sell sure. you could sell people on the fact that it's actually pretty enjoyable, but if the question is is the CGI as bad as I've heard, you kind of have to say yes. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You no, have to say like yes. Hard, that is a hard yes. A major uh, a problem with that movie is that the, yeah. the effects make you think yeah. about how bad they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, required viewing for the next episode, which will be in two weeks. Uh, we're going to have a week off next week again. Uh, we'll be doing another one of our uh, movie replay picks for uh, a past episode. Um, so that's, that's an opportunity to maybe catch up on one that you haven't heard before. That'll be next week. But in two weeks, the required viewing that John picked is 3 o'clock high. And that is, again, available for rent on basically every digital platform, Amazon, Apple, Vudu, whatever you prefer to use. It's basically three or four bucks everywhere. Um, so we'll be doing that in a couple weeks. And then, you know, from there, as we get in the spooky season, I'm sure we're going to start tr trying to have some discussions about what we can do to talk some horror content. Yeah. Something planned for the month of October, something fun, something exciting. Yes. We're all we're all fans of the genre, so it's that time of year to get spooky and um I'm maybe sure the next will. round of picks for um oh yes for uh 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 required for the month of, be yeah. Horror. yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh but again, that'll be in a couple weeks. Um maybe we'll have something for that week as well when we come back uh to, to start the month off. But moviesmovie.com is the website, youtube.com slash movies movie podcast if you want to watch the the, the video uh, option of the podcast. Uh, you can find all the past episodes at the main moviesmovie.com page. You can jump into a podcast platform of your choice that you listen to your pods on. If you're not already subscribed and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. Um, and if you do subscribe, please leave a rating or a review or any kind of feedback um, that also is appreciated. So we'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. Again, one more time required viewing is three o'clock high and uh, we'll see you in two weeks as always. You made our day. Thanks. Bye.